Teacher's Cup of Coffee. I haven't been around for a while doing this, but I'm so excited to be back. Had a bit of a challenge in my personal life, but I have come through. All is good, and I'm really excited to be back thinking and learning about and reading about and talking about education and how we can do the best for all of our kids in schools. So I'm thrilled to be back, and I'm ready to jump right back in. You know, I've been given a lot of thought to how do we come out of this? How do we come out of this rut? You know, as educators, the last 22 plus months have just been, you know, like everything else in the world, unlike anything we've ever experienced. And most people have done an incredible job, have reinvented themselves as educators, be it in the classroom, be it in leadership, be it in support roles, have found ways to do that both from home or hybrid or in school with masks and distancing and you know it's just been goes without saying it's been a completely wild ride but you know we got to keep an eye on ourselves too because we're coming out of in education here like a really long sort of dark time you know uh, a lot of us are tired and frustrated and feel undervalued and you know I, I you know at first teachers were finally elevated during this time to being sort of heroes for figuring out ways to educate kids when everybody was stuck at home. But it, it's mostly gone back to normal where a lot of teachers are feeling pressure again, pressure to bridge learning gaps immediately, pressure from parents, pressure from kids, pressure from admin. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's easy to quickly feel undervalued. Another thing that I've heard people talk about is I don't even know if this is a real world, but a real, excuse me, real word, but we're living in a, a world of memification right now where we all can go on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or any of these social networks and we quickly see funny memes about how hard it is to teach, about how miserable it is to work with kids during this time. And, you know, these memes are funny. There's no doubt about it. But I, I don't really know that they're good for our souls. I don't really know that they're uplifting us. And so this world of memification might not be helping us either. Um, I know a lot of us are wondering if this is still the right career for us. How do we bounce back all the way and get our groove back? Um, and, and I know many educators aren't sure they ever will, aren't sure they'll, ev they'll ever get fully back from COVID and all that it has put us through. Not to mention all the stuff kids are dealing with. Kids. You know, so many of them have lost. Many of they're already lacking social skills. They're less motivated to learn than ever because of all the time they lost in the classroom. You know, pre-COVID, we would have said kids have larger learning gaps than ever before. Well, post-COVID, that has grown exponentially. So we're dealing with students who just might not have all the background knowledge and skills that we normally would at our grade level. And we're also dealing with kids who've just been through a lot. You know, they... They definitely have less automatic respect for adults than ever before. They're, a lot of them, unfortunately, are sad and withdrawn. Some of them are like re-arriving in the world of society, actually being loud and, and, and being energetic and sometimes in the classroom being annoying. And 
you know, um, a lot of kids aren't appreciative of teachers and all that, that we've been trying to do for them. So it's like we're up against it as educators first. And then secondly, our clientele, the students, they're up against it as well, which just makes this such a hard time to be an educator. So, you know, for the next few episodes, my goal is to focus on how do we work ourselves out of this rut as educators? How do we get re re-inspired, re-motivated, re-engaged? How do we bring that passion back? If we've if for the last two years we've had to go into sort of a maintenance mode and a digital mode and a learn new online platforms mode, you know, and a lot of our skills have grown a lot from all of that. But if that's where we've been, how do we get back to becoming better teachers? How do we get back to becoming better educators and finding ways to do things in new and innovative fashion? How do we re reignite that spark that is so important to our career, right? Because there's... There's, there's no bonuses. There's not a lot of praise from the outside world. There's, there's, there, there's very little extrinsic motivation that drives us every day. It's our intrinsic motivation to be the best we can for the kids that we serve and that we love. And so the next few episodes, that's what I want to focus on. I want to give you some ideas on how can you work yourself out of this rut. And me included, how can I work myself out of this rut? So... What we're going to start with is my favorite magazine. I've mentioned it a lot here, but Educational Leadership Magazine from ASCD. You know, they always work around themes, and man, their December and January theme hit me perfectly. It's called Engage and Motivate, and it's all about ways we can engage and motivate students. So their argument is we're not going to work ourselves out of the rut through data-driven instruction, and we're not going to work ourselves out of the rut through necessarily like perfect lesson planning or new content or new units and another digital tool is not going to work us out of the rut and and yes we need to focus on social emotional but but EL magazine is making the argument that to get ourselves back in the groove we need to make sure we do everything we can to deeply and truly engage and motivate students and if we do that in our classroom it not only will help them learn but I propose it'll help us feel good about education again and help us feel inspired to continue to grow. So engage and motivate. And today I'm just going to focus on one article that they did. It's called, uh, that they included in their magazine. It's called Six Intrinsic Motivators to Power Up Your Teaching. Six Intrinsic Motivators to Power Up Your Teaching. Written by an awesome author named Mike Anderson. If you get a chance to have this magazine or check it out, I highly recommend it. But what I'm going to do now is sort of summarize the major points of the article. So Mr. Anderson talks a lot about how we as adults, we all have hobbies or things that we're working at getting better at. And he questions like, when we have these hobbies, what keeps us going? What gets us to keep going? What keeps us motivated, right? So number one, he argues most of us have goals. So let's say a, ho a hobby is taking up jogging. Well, most of us want to run a road race or jog a little bit longer or jog a little bit faster so we have these or lose weight whatever it might be so we have these goals okay and then he says a lot of the time we also feel connected to the people we're doing it with so if we're jogging do we join a jogging club do we share it with our spouse and do we jog together or do we talk about our jogging with our friends you know so it's 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 actually not the jogging but it's the connection it builds with others that keeps us engaged and motivated to keep doing it. 
Another thing, and this pertains exactly to jogging or clearly to jogging, is oftentimes when we want to do something or get better at something or have a hobby, it takes place outdoors or in new places or, or even in old places but that are very comfortable. So whether it be fresh air or new, new adventures in new places or just comfortable surroundings, where we do these things, where we do these things usually is pretty connected to our motivation. Um, and then we, we definitely have a, an interest in improving, right? So we have goals, we feel connected, the setting matters, and we are interested in improving. And he argues that the same goes for kids in learning. All of these same things need to exist in order for kids to maximize their engagement. You know, so if we want to move past compliance in the classroom, there's a lot of classrooms out there that rely on compliance. The kids comply to the expectations and therefore they do some work. All right. But if we want to move past compliance and we want to get to real engagement and self-motivation in our kids and passionate energy for learning, all these things that would rev our engines as well, then we need to leverage the six motivators of intrinsic motivation. So that's where this article goes, to the six motivators of intrinsic motivation. I'm going to go through the six of them now. First one is autonomy. Kids need some level of autonomy to truly engage. They must feel some control over what they're learning. There's got to be some level of choice in their learning. You know, and that, that's hard. That's not always easy, especially in the younger grades. You know, it's hard for students to choose. We can't let students choose their learning target, right? So... We have a standard that we're working on. We break that into a learning target for that day's lesson. And they don't get to choose that. that that's that been chosen for them. But we can have them choose some activities. We can have them choose what they do in that lesson. We can let them choose what they read. We can give them some options. Just giving students two or three options of learning activities and letting them choose is going to help them more deeply engage. And think about that with professional development, by the way. And that this that this pretty much goes for all of these. But we as educators feel better in professional development when we have some level of choice, when we're not just told, here's what you're learning, here's how you're learning it, go, right? And then the other thing we can give students choice in is how they demonstrate their learning. So they don't need to all do the exact same final product. There's, it's, it's not that hard to think about two or three final products that all target that learning goal, right? And so that's what we can give them autonomy over as well. And lastly, we can let them choose who they work with. So autonomy is really important. Can we give some choices in their learning activities? Can we give some choices in their final output? Can we give them some choices of who to work with? If we do all of that, they will be more deeply motivated. The next one in the classroom is belonging, right? We all know, and this last two years has taught us even more so, that we all have strong needs to connect with others. We all want to feel connected to people around us. It's the same in the classroom, be it group projects, be it choose your own partner for this learning activity, be it even just think pair shares where they get to connect with each other. We need to help them feel a sense of belonging with their peers in the classroom. And, and mind us, mind you, we can't do this, we can't just do it. We have to teach them how to do it as well, especially in the younger and the middle school grades, right? We have to teach them how to work together. We have to give them roles. We have to give them over, you know, clear instruction on how to work collaboratively, you know, direct instruction on how to work collaboratively. 
And so it's not just, hey, you can work with who you want, and all of a sudden they'll feel a sense of belonging. It's also our job to teach them how to work together. But if we can create that sense of belonging with others in the classroom, they will be more deeply motivated and engaged. Number three is competence. Competence. You know, we talked about with adult hobbies. We like goals. We like to feel like we can improve. It's the same with learning. Kids want to feel like they can learn. So if the learning is too hard, it's frustrating and it demotivates them. If the learning is too easy, it's boring and it demotivates them. So our goal is to look at our units, look at our lessons, and find that just right level. Where is that level that's going to push them, but not push them off the cliff? And you know, a lot of people talk about differentiated learning, and that's always one of the biggest buzzwords. But we don't always have to create seven differentiated learning activities for seven different groups of learners that are all at different levels. You know, that's wonderful if you can handle that. I know I can't handle that. So the other way to do differentiated learning is, is just the UDL model of having a couple different pathways, a couple different learning activities that all go to the learning target. So that way, you know, there might be a harder learning activity that the top kids can select because it's going to push them. And then there might be a lower learning activity that goes towards the same learning target, but that the lower kids can pick that one because it's going to be their just right level. So again, figuring out the just right level for the learning and then finding different pathways to get there and giving students choice over these pathways so that they pick. They, in other words, let them help pick the just right level for their engagement. So competence is very important. We need to remember kids need to feel like competence is possible. If they don't feel it's possible or if they feel it's too easy, they're out. They're out and they're not going to be motivated and engaged. The fourth one is purpose. Purpose. One of the things I preach all the time in education is just everybody needs to know the purpose or the why behind everything. If we understand and we co-create purpose or co-build purpose, then everything else will go fine. And that's the same for the motivation of students. The first thing they think, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do this? And this is hard to answer sometimes, you know? Sometimes, I don't know. I don't know why they have to do this. You know, they have to do it because it's tied to a state standard that's tied to the MCAS or whatever state you're in, and they have to take the standardized test. But I'll tell you right now, that does not connect to students. So that might be why you know they have to do it. But we have to manufacture purpose for them, okay? The purpose must actually connect to the students, not be the purpose that works for us as educators. The purpose to them has to matter in the moment. It's got to matter in that moment. Again, we're going to have to create some purpose. So a lot of the ways we create purpose, you know, project-based learning, service-based learning, those things are loaded with purpose. Those have them in there. Those have purpose embedded. But, you know, so again, projects can help. But, you know, another thing that can help is presenting your learning to a meaningful audience, you know, and that meaningful audience might just be your classmates. But, they might feel more purpose if instead of writing an essay that just the teacher is going to read, they actually create a PowerPoint that they have to show to other students. That gives some purpose. They're showing it to a meaningful audience. I have a great example from two, my two daughters where a, a weekend recently, they both did a ton of work on this weekend. One's in ninth grade, one's in sixth grade. And I just was like, you know, I'm not a micromanager of their homework. I'm lucky. They, 
they seem pretty focused as kids and their report cards look good you know so I'll talk to them about it but I don't I'm not a day-to-day uh, micromanager of their homework so but they were both doing so much this one weekend I asked them what they were doing and the ninth grade student of course was annoyed that's ninth grade but she said I have to create a podcast with a friend about what we're learning in history and they're gonna play this podcast for the whole class and I just was like whoa look at that so so there's purpose because it's going to a meaningful audience. She knows she has to do this and others are going to hear it, so she has to do it well. Uh, and immediately I understood why she was into this. Not to mention she was working on it with a friend, so there's that sense of belonging. You know, so there, there was a double whammy here, but I thought that was just great. Creating a podcast as the final product really raised the purpose motivation for my ninth grade daughter. Meanwhile, my sixth grade daughter was also doing a social studies project. She was creating a pop-up book. It was like a 10-page pop-up book and she had done artwork for it she had been typing and printing and taking stuff on offline and she was going to have to present this pop-up book to her sixth grade social studies class so again knowing that there was a project involved and that there was a meaningful audience at the end built the purpose I don't even know what these two projects were about they didn't even mention to me what they were about they just told me what they had to do in front of others or to show to others and that is what motivated them to work so hard that weekend so what can we do to build purpose how can we look at our lesson this week and say man what is the purpose if I'm a kid what is the purpose because remember all of our lessons are going up against Instagram against gossip against you know um, drama with their classmates it's going up against YouTube like that's where kids brains are and we're trying to get in there and steal some time in their brains so that the purpose matters a lot number five in the ways to motivate students intrinsically is fun is fun and we talk about this a lot on this podcast how can we increase fun in schools when we can create a marriage between learning and fun Student engagement goes way up. And, you know, we have more tools than ever for this. I know many of us use Kahoot, GimKit, other things like that. And they be, all this stuff's become very popular and, and very user-friendly, frankly, which has been great. But even if we want to get away from digital tools, just adding dice or dominoes or a spinner or even cards into an activity, just something that would be like a normal moment in the classroom, but then rolling a dice to decide who we're going to call on. Or using a spinner to decide who your partner is. You know, just those tiny little things add some spark, some, some fun into the moment. Uh, you can also have their kids create their own games. Going back to what their output is, you can have kids create their own games. Um, I have a couple science teachers that every time they go to review for a test, the kids just have a blast and everybody's engaged. And it's the simplest thing. They, they have like 50 questions they want to review so they, they divide the classroom into two teams. They ask a team a question. They call in somebody different every time. If they use popsicle sticks normally. And if you get the question right, you get to come to the front of the room and shoot a basket. There's a one-pointer, a two-pointer, a three-pointer into the trash. It takes maybe 10 seconds for the kid to come up and shoot the basket. You get points for your team if you make it. You go back and we're on to the next question. And it just makes the review so engaging for the kids and so fun. So all we got to do is look at our lessons and if we, we can find some ways to put more fun in them, 
students are going to be more engaged, more motivated, and then we are going to be having fun at the same time. And number six, the last one, is curiosity. How can we increase curiosity in the classroom? Well, first and foremost, we can try to connect learning to students' interests. Students have their own personal interests, and when they are in the world of those interests, they are more curious. Now, this is not always easy, but I got to say it again. If we connect to their interests, they'll be more curious, they'll be more engaged, they'll be more motivated, and they become more invested, you know? So anytime that we can take our learning and connect it to their interests, then we immediately build curiosity. So just start with what are they reading in our classrooms? Is the stuff they're reading related to their interests? If it is, curiosity is building and engagement is building. And so it can also be fun to do this because it's not easy. But if we can find true connection between content and student interests, everything goes better. So you really got to challenge yourself and you got to think of ways to do this. So I'm going to give you another example from my own kids and what I've seen them doing is my now ninth grader was in when she was in eighth grade she did a project in civics class where she they had learned about the treasury of the secretary and the treasury of education and all all the secretary of education and all these these different high roles in um the cabinet in the national government and so the final project for this was my daughter had to hire someone for each of these roles and it could be someone that she knew personally or it could be someone that she knows from a movie or from TV, so someone famous. So I'll never forget, for the Secretary of the Treasury, her and I had just watched Ocean's Eleven. She was a big fan. If you've seen that movie, Ruben is the older gentleman who finances all of the um, thefts, all, all the thieves as they do their thing. So she, for the Secretary of the Treasury, hired Ruben from Ocean's Eleven, and she explained why he would be perfect for the job and why he would be good at being in charge of all the money um, in, the, in the country. And she just was so into it. She just was so into it. And that's just one example. For each one, she had different people. And she loved that project. And I think that was a way to marry content with personal interests. And that was an open-ended way where the, the one way worked for all kids. So anytime we can do that, we increase curiosity. So... To review the six motivators, autonomy, belonging, competence, purpose, fun, and curiosity. How can we build these things into our lesson? What I'm going to do is I'm going to write these six things down. And I'm just, just the names, because I, I remember enough from reading about them. And I'm just going to keep it in front of me whenever I'm coming up with something to do in education. Do we have at least one of these things embedded and if not one do we have two three four five or even six right because if you do like an independent research project you can do all six of these things you can have all six it's it's easy when you do something like that but we can't do those things every day we have to do normal lessons a lot of the time so my goal is to look at every day's lesson or everything we do in education and say do i have at least one of autonomy curiosity fun purpose, belonging, and competence, are these things in here? And if they are, I know that I'm going to be able to more deeply engage and motivate kids. So start small when it comes to this stuff. 
Just get some new connections in your teaching and your planning to the six motivators of intrinsic motivation. Look at an upcoming lesson. Look up a look at an upcoming unit. Look at it through the lens of these six motivators. Which ones are present? Which ones could be increased? And you know what? Ask your kids as well. After a lesson where it tanks, and we're going to talk about this in episode two of this little mini series of, of, of refinding our passion. You know, ask your kids what could have been better in how you did something because it'll give you ideas on how to improve it the following year as well as give you ideas on how to work better with that group of kids you currently had. Just ask them, how could I make this lesson more inspiring to you? What could I have done to make this lesson more inspiring to you? They'll help us with this. They'll help us with this. So we all want to rediscover our passion. One way to do it is to go deeply with kids and motivate and engage them. If we have a classroom, I don't care if they're masked and sitting in rows. If they are deeply motivated and engaged, then we are going to feel good about what's going on and it's going to energize us in turn. So let's do that. Let's think of the six intrinsic motivators and let's do everything we can to reignite that flame in our classroom. I want to thank you again for sticking with me. I, I apologize for the hiatus. I'm back. Looking forward to coming out with another episode in a few weeks. I hope everybody's doing great out there. Stick with it. Kids need us now more than ever. If you're feeling beat down, remember that. Kids need us now more than ever. We got this. And thanks for joining us here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Money.